equals spin The propaganda's win Stress feeding on my attention My countrymen, they love their fiction Words are now Displayed with good intentions Welcome to 1 of 200 The Independent Media and Politics Podcast This is our current events session for the week I am joined by my co-host Rusty How you doing Rusty? Yeah, I'm well thank you and for the second week in a row, we're joined by Finlay from uh, People Against Prisons Aotearoa, because there's been so much crime news. Labour have finally taken the bait, and we're not happy to see it. No. No, we're not. <laughs> it's sort of what they do, but as always, I am disappointed. <laughs> and that's great for all of us. We've got a range of things to talk about today. Uh, we will talk in some depth about Labour's crime announcements this week. Before that, I want to get into a little bit of chat about polling. We had some new polling out this um, week gone from the ex-Cantar, now Varian polling with TVNZ, One News. And we quickly wanted to touch on some of the policy that National is throwing up on our kitchen table in the gastro sense because it's been rank but first up polling rusty how have things been going over at the overhang um yeah good so um yeah i'll log roll for that a bit in a minute um but basically saw the the first network poll um in a while come out this week um and basically what it told us was everything we already knew the kind of personality-driven, good vibes bump that um, Christopher Hipkins got uh, when he took over in January has essentially evaporated. And we're back We're back to where we were in um, December with this incredibly close race between the left block and the right block. And, you know, I think National and Act between them are sort of one, one and a half points ahead of Labour, Te Pāti Māori and uh, the Greens. And yeah, it's I, I I don't mean to get too into the horse race stuff because I think that that's kind of uninteresting. But you know, she's going to be a close one. But I think the what's so I guess there's there's two things in there I'd I'd want to draw out that I think are more interesting. One is just the failure to launch um, of Labour under Hipkins, and I think that'll gel nicely with some of the stuff we're going to be talking about later on. Um, but the other thing, and I'm I'm definitely not the only one to pick up on this, but just the consistent high level of support for the minor parties across the board. And this, you know, um, Labour are increasingly unpopular. People are, you know, kind of justifiably reacting to all of the events that have transpired over the last three years, the kind of I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's all fine. Um, but, you know, the pressure from the cost of living, the dislocation that people have been feeling post-COVID and our giving up on doing anything about COVID. So there's this kind of justifiable dissatisfaction with the status quo. But on the other hand, you've got a national party who are offering up, like, the joke policies that you come up with if you're doing like I don't know youth parliament like it's and and you're trying to pretend to be right wing it's um I, I sorry I wouldn't know what you mean by youth parliament that doesn't sound like <laughs> I was ever involved in yeah no 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 comment um but yeah so there's kind of 
very little to get people riled up for good or for ill um, from the National Party either. And so what we've seen is this historically high level of support for the minor parties across the board. I mean, you know, ACT have been doing consistently well, even through Chris Luxon's ascension, but then, you know, the Greens have sustainably stuck around kind of 7 to 10% and honestly have been rising over the kind of last three or four months, I think. I mean, obviously, hopefully that's because the launch of their um, tax and incomes policy has finally begun to get some traction as offering up a kind of genuine alternative to um, Labour's policies. Um, but again, that could just reflect the kind of disinterest and dissatisfaction with a Labour Party who, you know, has also just, and I I don't really want to talk about them because I think it's just courtroom drama, but um, obviously you had the ministerial misbehaviour between Nash, uh, Wood um, and Kitty Allen. So that's probably in there. But yeah, the, the this, this kind of just casting about for any sort of alternative, I think is what lies behind the results that we're seeing. And I think that's kind of you know, to the extent that electoral politics um, can have pretty important outcomes. Um, I think that that to me is what's driving it, is that neither major party is offering a kind of compelling vision for how we're going to cope with the multiple overlapping crises that we're facing. And depending on people's politics outside of that, and, you know, their you know, class position or whatever you want to call it, are picking up on the, the alternatives that suit them. So we've seen the kind of increasingly rabid and extremist rhetoric out of the ACT Party, um, and they're seeing historical levels of, of success. Uh, the Greens hopefully beginning to to build some momentum. Um, but the I think the other biggest winner in terms of polling recently has been the Party Māori. They are at historically high levels of, of support. And I, I th it's difficult for me to say as a Pākehā man who's not really plugged into kind of Māori media what exactly is driving that. But, you know, obviously post Mika Whaiteri, um defecting from the Labour Party, there genuinely seems to be a kind of yeah, momentum for a, um, a Māori politics taking a more oppositional stance to the kind of, I know we can't say the word co-governance anymore, but co-governance agenda of, of Labour Party where it's kind of, you'll get to participate in power, but we won't really be restoring anything, you know, um, any kind of economic base or resources. And a, there's a more of a demand for that. And then probably rounding things out with sort of the continuing right-wing clown car um, outside parliament, I think long may they main, remain divided and uh, confused, but there is sort of between, and like I follow this stuff too much, even I can't keep track of exactly who all of the organisations are, but Freedoms New Zealand, which I think is the Tamaki Party now. Uh, what is it? Democracy NZ, New Zealand First, One uh, one NZ and the Conservative Party. Like between them do have 5 to 6%. So again, it's... Oh, and sorry, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Top's top continue to exist. That all rough on top to put them in that same pile. <laughs> no, no, and that... <laughs> sorry. There's the right-wing clown basket, and then there's top. They're not in that basket. Different, and different, not being that different unfair clown to them. basket. But again, they basket. are <laughs> they are offering a different kind of alternative to simply relying on rising house prices and milk exports to maintain the base of our society. It's not necessarily one I completely agree with, but they are there. Like 2%, they tend to go off over the election. We'll see what happens in Ireland. 
Um, so they're there in the mix as well. But yeah, overall, like it's this, it's as fractured a picture as we've seen since the early 90s. Like, uh, you know, people are drawing these comparisons to 2005, obviously, with a, a national opposition trying to take down a, a Labour government off the back of, you know, basically divisive and racist language. Um, I don't think that's where we are. That was a fairly two-horse contest between Clark and Brash, whereas what we're seeing is much more like the kind of early 90s post-Ruthanasia Rogenomics crack-up of this kind of generalized sense that the way things are assembled right now isn't working and we need something else, but no one's cracked exactly what that is yet. And if anything, this is only going to continue over the course of election campaigns. Uh, minor parties tend to increase their share as they get a you know more favorable amount of airtime relative to the government and um, main opposition. So if anything, I, I think we'll see this continue. Then again, I could be wrong. Maybe Never. Never. Labor, maybe Labour have uh, been timing their run, keeping their powder dry, and are going to come in with a you know set of policies that absolutely knock it out of the park well I, yeah this is the thing i'd never discount what you know is referred to as the labor machine right mm. and, and it does feel like they haven't really been running a campaign in earnest yet it feels like most of the noise has been at greens and national releasing something every week yeah and i think i think i will credit them with that option for now that clearly whatever they are planning to to win the electorate over with hasn't come out yet but to me the everything we've seen we'll talk about this a bit more with some of the some of their justice policy well justice is a misleading word for it but some of their recent policy announcements that what they're going to try to do is be a just slightly nicer more watered down version of the national party that you know i i understand elections are one in the center and that labor are always going to have to be further to the to the right than i would like them to be but and I remember we talked about this um, a couple of months ago when Hipkins first came in, that it's like they're interpreting that as people want them to be the National Party. And I really hope I'm wrong about that, because why would you vote for a fake version of the National Party if you could vote for the real version of the National Party who will give you tax cuts? It's yeah. it's pretty grim. So, yeah, remains to be seen. I guess the other thing to chuck in there uh, is the... I'm gonna say poll because I haven't, I can't prove otherwise, but certainly the news out of the uh, Tamaki race in Auckland, which showed a, a two horse race between ex Brooke Van Velden uh, and National Party's um, Simon O'Connor. Obviously it's an internal poll led to a friendly journalist. I don't want to trust that um, unthinkingly. It's obviously there's an agenda behind it. Yeah, I wonder if this particular journalist is um pretty charitable in itself um has any reasons for for writing about this yeah it's it's quite clear that this is you know part of an attempt to make them Dom's uh candidacy there look credible but i think on the other hand tamaki is an electorate which should be a national act race much like wellington central is an electorate that should be a labor greens race mm -hmm. it and again it's part and parcel of this we're finally doing multi-party democracy thing that in these extremely conservative seats um you're gonna see yeah 
at candidates contesting. Um, so we said this months ago on, on the podcast yeah. as well, that actually should be doing this, that they should be yeah. trying to run these. Um, it, it makes sense to do it. Uh, I just don't <laughs> like the way that they're able to kind of force feed it into media as, as somehow being a, a truth. Yeah. It's and I think frustrating. And there's a, a strong element of like, let them fight. I hope they both lose um, in that race. Cause I, can't tell anyone to vote for an ad candidate. I won't do that. But Simon O'Connor is one of the most deranged extremist MPs in all of Parliament, possibly the most, um, to the point where even the incredibly Tory National Party there tried to kick him out, um, failed, but, but at least tried. And so if he is at least embarrassed by this campaign, good. But yeah, that's that's about it in terms of, of what we've been seeing. I think we'll, things will probably start moving at a bit more of a frenetic pace now as we move into actually the, the official campaign campaign period starts Do you think today, we're going to get believe. some yo-yoing or is it likely to head in a direction? Generally, I, I think if you're on the, the broad left, the good news is national almost always go backwards over the course of an election. Um, 2005 is unfortunately the exception to that, but consistently they drop anywhere from sort of two to 10 points. I, I don't see that happening this time around, but as a, a general pattern, national, national do reasonably bad over the course of the election. Labour tend to go back a few and the minor parties tend to rise. So that's probably the overall direction of travel. But that said, we've never been in a situation like this where at the out, well, we have way back in the nineties where you know, the Greens are starting out the campaign on 10 instead of rising to 10 over the course of campaign. Rising to 10 and then flopping on election day. And then flopping on election day. And, you know, it's a party Maori have never, I mean, they might get over the, I mean, obviously they're going to win probably four to six um, of the Maori seats, but they're over the threshold at the moment. I think, um, you know, again, and just to trumpet our own horn, this is something we're talking about really early on after the 2020 election when Labour came in with a majority was that the next election, i.e. this year, 2023, was likely to look more like an MMP election just on that basis alone. And it's been headed in this direction for a while. I think I've been talking about it since mid to late last year about how this is going to be a minor party election as people try to find answers outside a centre, which is in a, a death vortex together. They're both National Labour so busy trying to hold the middle ground that there's there's no way they can solve the multitude of crises that are out there. My my estimation is that the only uh, party that's really been releasing sufficient policy to actually address that at the moment is the Greens. That's not to say that other parties don't have that. And I also back the Party Māori to to come into the campaign with some really good stuff. But you know we've seen a lot of um, stuff going to act. I just don't think we've seen much interrogation of their policy at all because it's fucking horrendous um and you're saying rusty um you know people are looking for solutions where their ideologies lie but i'm not convinced the actors trying to get elected on solutions to these problems so much as tap into reactionary stuff uh as the forefront of the campaign at the moment uh, a lot of what they're standing up to say on on television um or in their releases is uh this outright racism around co-governance calling um it apartheid uh comparing small new zealand towns to african civil wars you know just really like ludicrous stuff um and that's where they're looking for votes at the moment they're trying to pull votes from that 
clown car, it seems like, um, and maybe try and get some of the more liberal and heavy inverted commas uh, National Party voters. Do we think that can be sustained uh, within the current environment? My feeling is probably yes, given how much of an easy ride uh, they're being provided with. Yeah, I, I would frame it as they're not offering solutions. They're offering to protect a certain percentage of the population from the consequences. Okay. It's kind of, oh, ACT don't have a policy on inequality. Yes, they do. It's cops. ACT don't have a policy on yeah. climate disruption. Yes, they do. It's cops. I think that's the that's the sell from them is with with everything that's, you know, we're seeing and, and going on, it's to a, you know, relatively affluent but insecure um largely Pakia vote, they're saying, you know, you know, we'll protect you. It's then the the same sell um to the gun people is we'll allow you to protect yourself. Um so I think that's the the message there. Um and it's a path I see national following them down if I'm gonna be honest. But um, you know, that's the other that's the other than we're gonna use collective action to secure ourselves against whatever the the future throws at us it's a party of moats and walls and cops what is your read on the way that some of this polling stuff has been covered in the media because there's a lot of talk and certainly i was in on this as well um in in the kind of media politics um space around the way that this variant poll was covered Almost across the board, it was talked about as a like some kind of watermark for the right. Um, like, oh, look, the, the right has surged, they can make a government. But really, it was it's the same as we've seen for the last few months. Like it's on a knife edge. If anything, the Greens are the party that has um profited here. But and yet it's being framed in this like I don't even know if it's two horse, if it's a horse race thing or or something else altogether, but it felt off. I think it definitely did feel off. And I one one thing that wound me up was describing a three-party coalition as a oh, three-party yeah, monster, um, but a two-party is just like finding one friend and it's like, come on. That's like as far um, as you can get. Like, what do you can you just call it a two-headed monster? Like, if we're gonna go there. Yeah, I mean, look at a lot of coverage still reads the contest through the fortunes of the major party leaders because when you're not really offering any gen you know i'm not saying labor and national are the same please don't come for me labor fans but they're gonna come for you anyway man offering, sorry you're, you're done. Um, <laughs> when you're not offering any kind of genuinely you know distinct offer personalities all you've got to go off so i think that's natural that the media coverage kind of focuses on that um also you've got to make drama and this this poll didn't have drama it was like yep still where we were a month ago plus three for so, the greens is like pretty dramatic yeah. like yeah i mean there, there was a story there there's a big story there, there i think there was and again um don't look at any individual poll look at the overall trend ideally at the overhang underscore aonz on twitter um <laughs> but yeah in terms of overall trends in the polls like the other than labor's decline to party maori and the green party's relative increases is the other story there well we'll see how it all goes um as, as you say i think it is likely to pick up over the next couple of weeks in particular um as we get a rash of uh, campaigning materials uh, being thrown at us uh, and some of the 
parties begin to campaign more in earnest. There's certainly been a lot of stuff happening, um, but it's, it has been more in the background. I know the Greens have been door knocking for a month and a half, a couple of months already, which is incredible. Like that's probably the best start to a campaign I can remember from them in a long time. Um, there's been some Labour National Act door knocking as well. Um, and obviously we've seen a lot of stuff in uh, on social media and in billboards and stuff like that from Act National as they flex uh, those millions and millions of dollars in donations they've had from the worst people in the country. Uh, but yeah, Labour Labor looks like they're starting to feel feel the heat of... <laughs> it's funny as well. Feel the heat of National staying in one place and Act kind of slowly stealing votes from National. But it's led them into this, what feels like a bit of a knee-jerk response this week to the continual claims that they're soft on crime. Uh, and they they released three successive policies over three days with different stand-ups uh, to target youth crime. It was really pathetic. I, I couldn't believe it. Every Every day that one of these came out, the first one I was like, okay, cool. I guess they're finally uh, trying to push back on some of that rhetoric out there in the media uh, and and coming from National. Uh, and then the next day, it's like, here's another one. And the next day, it's like, hey, we've got one more. Could have done those all in one go, mates. Um, and maybe you wouldn't have had to ask so many questions and get them so wrong. So last weekend, we talked about Care Not Cages uh, and how we needed a transformation of the justice system. Uh, things were not going well in that space. Finlay, you had uh, a lot to add there. How do you feel about what Labour has um, announced this week? Oh, I feel a lot of things. <laughs> I think the big thing, particularly because they are targeting young people, is like, I feel really worried, but I feel really sad for what this will mean if it goes ahead for these young people who, as Mikey talked about last week, there's been a real effort within youth justice spaces to move away from punishment and to really adopt like a trauma-informed approach and to direct young people away from prison. Um, and this is just a complete step backwards from that. It's not done with the, I guess, the evidence really in mind at all. It's not about how do we actually address social harm? How do we address, you know, I guess in particular, the big one is RAM raids? Or how do we prevent this from even happening? Like before we actually deal with what do we do once somebody has um, stolen a car and driven it into uh, a dairy or what have you? It's just like, I mean, it's really just following what national and active means of we need to come down on young people and children still who have largely committed what's a property crime like it is dangerous and it is obviously pretty horrible if it's been your business or your space has been affected but this isn't like a deliberate decision to like harm someone else like it is ultimately like theft is the issue and we're talking about like putting people into like, putting children into uh, youth justice residences that they want to have looking more and more like prisons that will be incredibly traumatic and will tear people from their families and 
make any rehabilitation or I guess habilitation in the first place very difficult and will make it much more likely for them to offend in future. It's it's not keeping these kids safe, it's not keeping Rangatahi safe, it's not going to keep anyone else any more safe. We know that like the more contact and the earlier contact you have with the justice system, the more likely you are you are to offend in future. And I don't know if this has necessarily been looked at specifically for young people, but someone who's gone to a prison for a non-violent offence is more likely to commit a violent offence after they leave prison because of how violent and traumatising being in prison is. And it, I think there's section of society who feel like the harsher we are, the safer we will be. But that's just not the reality. That's not how humans work. One of the most bewildering things in, I guess, the second and third announcements well, there are many bewildering things. Uh, but the specific one was that Hepkins and Allen were talking about, oh, like, we need to make these, um, you know, the consequences harsher uh, so that these young people are less likely to take these actions in the first place. Like, do you think they're watching this fucking press conference? Yeah. You know? yeah, It's very clear that you're you're talking to a particular subset of voters mm. you're not you're, you're not talking to the the people who are going to be doing this you know they're they're not like looking at that okay quick what um what's labor's policy on this oh shit better not ram raid today you know yeah. that's that's not what's going to be happening here but they're trying to kind of sell it as that um alongside this and this is this has fucked me off um the entire time um, of this of this labor government this continual reference to kind of like social justice language mm. um being used to wrap up really punitive shit uh so like oh we have to really look out for these kids yada 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 oh it's like youth justice facilities like residences mm-hmm. like no these are kid prisons man yeah like these are these are things that um the children's commission has said should be like outlawed and then to try and pretend like oh it's not actually those ones that she was talking about no i think it actually was it's really galling and it's it undermines any genuine reference to those kind of values. If if you're out here saying, you know, I have a, the K word, uh, kindness, um, and then the outcomes and impact of what you're doing are anything but, I'm unsurprised if people start to, like, rail on that, rail against that. Um, and this felt like more of that, but even more on the nose. It's just... I mean, the other, like, really, you know, they, they went out, uh, like, right out of their way to say, oh, we're not, like, this isn't just a response to, like, all the, the rhetoric. But then couldn't answer yeah. questions about stuff on the first two announcements. So that's, the first announcement was about making, well, first of all, about making it a, um, an, it was a, an a announcement new offense. To make, yeah, it was making crime illegal. It was, mm-hmm. uh, like, was, uh, making a new offense um, for commissioning children as part of the crime. Mm-hmm. So, so getting kids involved in ram raids as like a, an adult operator, I guess. But then it turned out that wasn't even it. It was, it was um, to make an aggravating factor. And then the second announcement was, we're going to build these new youth facilities. When? How fast? I don't know. Okay, fantastic. I, I, do you think there might be some issues with trying to do construction in the country at the moment? I'm not sure, but there could be. Um, and then the third one... Uh, was about 
the new offense, which as you say, Rusty, was crime is illegal now. But it it's a, it's a ludicrous. Even Chris Carhill, who is, you know, I would consider my enemy and most people's enemy, said that it was ridiculous to make a new offense for what is yeah. essentially burglary and already an offense. It, it's it kind of reads like the way that Luxon has been announcing policies. He had a thought and so he went ahead and said that they were going to do it and everybody else is having to scramble and keep up and say like, oh yeah, this is how we do it. Like they didn't think about this really at all. They didn't, yeah, not having a basic answer for are you actually going to build these? How long is it going to take? Is that going to be difficult? Like if your policy is that you're going to build something, surely you have at least thought about that for more than five minutes. Who are you going to start it with? <laughs> like, yeah. uh-huh. This is the thing. It's every construction worker who's working to build a new kid prison is one that's not working on building housing or yeah. literally anything else. It's this decision of where do you put resources into when we're in a resource-constrained <laughs> situation. The thing that got me with the, the announcements for Allen and, and Hipkins is like they know this is, this is the, the galling thing. They know this won't work. They're not thick. They're not raging, lock them all up and then keep locking them up, um, right-wing ideologues. Um, They've seen the evidence that's come out of the Royal Commission into Abuse and State Care. They know these things. They know what, you know, the um, youth carceral system over the last 50 years or longer has done. And they're announcing it anyway. Yeah. And it's like when when, when Labour kind of go for technocratic fixes that are too small and won't work, that annoys me and disappoints me when they do things like this, which is like a pale imit- again, it's a pale imitation of the National Party. It's it makes me furious. Like yeah. it's it's genuinely it's so cynical. Yeah. Um and, and it especially won't work. When, no. and, and it won't work. And you spoke Finley about, you know, the changes we have seen in the youth justice system that are trying to move away from um, you know, punishment and custodial sentences, which has been allowed to happen under the, the current Labour administration in a way that it probably would not be under Mark Mitchell as um, Minister of Justice. Yeah. And for Labour to not back the successes they have been having there mm-hmm. and to say, actually, no, yes, look, there are some recent issues around ram raids, but actually we've got a long-term plan here. We're looking to the future. We're trying to, to, to betray their own efforts like that. It's... Yeah, it's grown. And we know the kind of things that drive people towards crime. Like, we know what the risk factors are. We know the underlying conditions that create, you know, the kind of environment that will, like, lead or influence someone to commit whatever kind of crime. And we're still kind of not really dealing with it. Like, we know that child poverty is a massive issue, and we're still not doing anything about it. We know that inequality is a big issue and we're not doing anything about it. We know how bad the state of healthcare and education is in this country and we're still not really doing anything about it. And all of these things would make a real difference both to like crime rates and how safe people are and safe people feel in the community, but also to like everything else. And I think I I think I've said this before, but like really in terms of what all the major parties are offering. Greens party on ending poverty is probably the best justice policy that we have on the table. It's the one that will have the biggest difference 
Um, and it's even though it's not necessarily like a justice policy, it's the one that is actually targeting the causes of crime and will actually be able to prevent crime before it happens rather than any of this like tough on crime posturing and really damaging harmful like, increased criminalization and increased like cruelty really by the state Grim. yeah this is yeah as soon as the stuff was coming out i was railing against whatever the fuck labor is up to in their campaign because i i don't know who who is running this shit i don't know what little code array of consultants and and parliamentary staffers and and party hacks are trying to cobble something together so that they can hold two percent in the center and maybe form a government with the greens who they want to rule out all the policy for anyway it's not going to work you still have time to change course Mm -hmm. like i i really do hope that what you're saying earlier rusty like that they do they are going to have something to actually for people to vote for because if if this is what it's going to look like i mean fuck them (laughs) you know like (laughs) It's sorry, yeah, you will lose the election uh trying to do this kind of electoralism, this kind of cynical like electoral calculus to catch those like one point five to two percent of voters um who might be shifting along the center line on the basis of a moral panic. Um and, and you know, that could be anything week to week, depending on what our media apparatus wants, because my god, have they been shitty on uh, campaign coverage so far political coverage this year has been some of the worst i've ever fucking seen it's been so disappointing because i, I know we have good reporters like even the reporters who i don't always agree with what they say or i think they rely on access journalism too heavily uh like in the gallery or whatever i know i, I take a crack at them quite often but at least you can see that they know how to analyze stuff and that's gone out the fucking window it's it seems to be completely subsumed by this need to run very specific sorts of narratives um, to set a particular kind of stage. And given the way that a lot of our commentators um, and opinion writers are very heavily right-wing aligned and party aligned, Paula Bennett, head fundraiser for for the National Party and with an opinion piece last week talking about her mate Lux, like no one fucking calls him that. No, No one does. Um, and go, oh, you haven't got to know him. We've been hearing how we haven't got to know him for two years. Why is this person being allowed an opinion piece in a major paper at this point to run this line? And it said she was former deputy, but it didn't even mention her current role in the disclaimer. Like, there's a really, there's some really, do I call it, it is very close to being corrupt. And it's not, you know, she wasn't commenting on current events. She wasn't having an opinion about policies or anything like that. It was just like, hey, I know this guy. Um, he has 750 words about him. And like, that's not, even as like a right-wing commentator with ties to the National Party, like that's not really what your job should be. Like that's not really the kind of op-eds you should be writing. That's just like, I mean, it's getting close to like celebrity news about a politician who we do know and we don't like. Oh, no one likes them. Yeah. And, you know, we Labour weren't given quite the same platform um, for, you know, old mate Chippy from the heart. But it was the same thing, you know, as as his rollout. It's if I, and honestly, he's probably feeling this way himself at this point. If I have to hear one more fucking thing about sausage rolls. Yeah. He has been trying to hand it off, eh? 
But oh, and it it's, it's his own fucking fault. It, oh, it is. It is. It's it's kind of the only thing that we've kind of got to know about him on top of what we already knew about mm. him. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this kind of you know personality based coverage. Um, I I do love that. Oh, the the electorate doesn't know Luxon yet. It's like yeah, they people form impressions fast and and you put them everywhere. Large, you put him everywhere. Since before he was an MP, since before he was yeah. like even in the National Party, like we've been he getting is, to know him. He has been the coming man, and like people's general reaction has just been, eh. Yeah. Like if you cooked up a national leader in a vat, like if you averaged out all of the, you know, one of those AI generated things, mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. these the leading anyway. We don't. There's. <laughs> There is nothing to be gained from no. rain, railing against Chris Luxon on a left-wing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, let's, um, but it feels good anyway. Let's talk about, um, just for the last uh, section of the podcast today, let's talk about some of the policy that National was releasing. Uh, they, had a, they had a couple of big ones uh, this week. The first one was this idea that renters should be allowed to tap into their KiwiSaver to get bond for renting what what did you think of that rusty so when you do bring your kid to work day you're not actually <laughs> let to meant to let them actually do the work and <laughs> and like look the young nats have done one or two good things over the past few years on social issues to slightly detoxify their 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 elders but this is so poorly thought out even from a just a coverage perspective that you know the the smartest guys in the room the the emperor palpatine dark magicians of the the national party um leadership that they couldn't see this being spun as we're giving your kiwi saver to your landlord is kind of a joke and then on top of that is just a really stupid idea and i think um Oh gosh, her name escapes me now, but she's a very good financial journalist. Francis um, Cook. Francis Cook. Um, her being able to calculate, hey, yeah, you know, if you lose your bond, which 25% of all renters do, um, this will cost you $17,000 over the course of, you know, your your um savings. Well, even if you don't lose your bond, but it's not in your KiwiSaver, if you're yeah, that, yeah. if you're a long-term renter and that part of that amount of money yeah. is locked up in bond. It's not earning you money in investment. No, no, exactly. Um, and like you've got to find the money somewhere. So I kind of, I well, assuming that we think bonds still need to exist, and I think this is this is a classic like example of of not being able to take one step beyond you know kind of current settings of oh the problem is people don't have enough money for their bond. Are we going to give them more money? No. Are we going to reconsider the settings of our rental market and why, you know, there's a anywhere from thousand to two thousand dollar barrier put between people and a and a, a home in the private market? No. Oh, but we'll let you mortgage your own future, not even to you know actually get a mortgage, but just to to be able to live in a house. It's yeah, it's 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 a complete joke. Even if they won, they're not going to do it. It's um. I'm surprised I haven't like loudly walked it back, but I guess that would have looked even worse at this point. Yeah, and you can kind of Nicola Willis is getting very adept at going out and walking back random comments that Christopher Luxon makes and saying, "Well, what it, um, what he really meant was." You kind of can't do that 
with a whole ass fully formed policy yeah. that you have your you know your one token liberal one of your two token liberals um and chris bishop um announce so they kind of they kind of stuck with it um i don't have much to, to say on it it's just stupid it's just yeah. it's it's a it's a dumb policy and everyone saw that the the fact that almost across the board all political commentators and media were just like what is this shit like that's actually incredibly rare for a national party announcement usually someone will be trying to oh like a coterie of people will be trying to like oh actually if you look at it this way i think they meant that but there was just no space for that this time it was too silly and you like the whole idea of like economic literacy like maybe you can like paper over some of your horrible social policies by saying that it's like smart economically i don't know but like there's no argument for that for this like no economist is going to look at this and be like oh yeah that makes sense why not take money out of this long-term savings thing that is going to make the more money you have in there the more money you're going to make from it just put it yeah it's an incredibly stupid policy i think like something that we didn't even get into is how many people will this actually help because <laughs> if you have sufficient money in your kiwi saver you're working you're yeah. like you're probably going to be able to cobble together a bond otherwise the Venn diagram of people who can't borrow a thousand dollars from their bank but have at least two thousand dollars in their kiwi saver and don't qualify for like student living student allowance living yeah. costs or welfare support or an, or an or an msd bond grant i <laughs> especially yeah. now that you don't get that thousand dollars when you sign up right so it's young students so they wouldn't have got that i guess unless they got a kiwi saver very young like you're not starting out with a bunch of money in there yeah like where is it where is it coming from like <laughs> uh, this is for this is for young students i mean let's keep in mind that um young nance is up to 35 um yeah that's true why can you join the young nats? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to, but it's, it's nice to still be. I think young. it's the same for most of the parties. I think if yeah. you, you can be young greens up to 35. I'm considering joining the young greens to stay in the youthful <laughs> category. <laughs> I'm I'm outside of it now. Um, uh, oh, woe is me. But yeah, it's just I I don't know who this policy was for, other than landlords. Yeah. And, and that became very clear very fast. This is a how we cannot keep putting up rents because people can't afford it anymore. Um, we're getting we're having all these other um, conversations about what we're meant to provide, what our responsibilities are. What can we raid? Where where can we find more money to take off the working class? Mm-hmm. Oh, look at this! It's I was going to say it's a consistent pattern. We do this every three years. National come up with some new madcap scheme for what people could use their KiwiSaver for. The yeah. um the one at the previous election was that oh, you, could this is bad. Sm- you could use it to start a small oh, business. Yeah, yeah which that was, was a scam bait, man. That, that was total that was, scam that, bait. That was worse than this one because at least yeah. this one you can only, you know, burn a couple of thousand dollars at a time. But it is, you know, KiwiSaver is one of the big achievements of the fifth Labour government. Um, National have never genuinely bought it like um they it's one of the things that they accept but kind of be like oh it'd be better done properly in the private sector it hasn't actually raised savings rates what they mean is it's allowed working class people to um be able to save for their retirement and accrue some capital and have a stake in the system um so they don't genuinely believe in it so they'll just use it as a yeah there's no government money for any policies but hey you can burn some of your own 
The other uh, national policy this week was just as economically illiterate um, and as stupid, and that was uh, Simeon Brown announcing that they would have a a pothole fund. This shit, this shit is so boring. And the fact that it's been allowed, that it's been allowed, and this is like, it's not just that National have made a good argument or like they've just pushed it a lot and are just always talking about it. Hey, they should just be laughed out of the room for this as soon as it started being discussed. Like it's it's fucking meaningless. So this is like making you 500,000 uh, 500 no, million? No, 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 no. It's not a new $500 million fund. Well, that's this is it. Sorry, that's how he sold it, right? Or, okay, you you go yeah. for it. Uh, okay. <laughs> what they've announced is that they're going to re... So there's the National Land Transport Fund, which is basically all the money from road user charges and um, petrol levies uh, that goes towards maintaining the transport system. What they're doing is shifting $500 million of that out of the safety bucket into the maintenance bucket. That's it. It's not new money. And calling it a pothole fund. And calling it a pothole fund. That's a pretty bad place to be taking money from, right? Like the safety fund. Like safety is quite important on roads. (laughs) you, You would think so. But I think, and this is one of the things where it's like, I understand a right wing position, even though I don't believe in it. The lowering speed limits in some rural areas has really pissed some people off that like you've got now got to drive 80 where you used to be able to drive 110 and um, I'm a good driver. I don't have accidents. Um, There is this kind of um, feeling out there that it's these bureaucrats in Wellington kind of, you know, um, telling country people how to live. But the way you fix that is by spending money on safety. So the roads are safe enough again. And so it's it's just complete again completely jokes um the reason our you know there is a the condition of our roads is getting worse yeah Um, for good reason because we've had to divert a whole bunch of resources to i don't know rebuilding the entire roading network in tairafati in the hawks bay i don't know if anyone has noticed but it's been raining a lot like the 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 climate linked damage to our infrastructure and your solution is we're going to just divert existing money to patch over the holes without thinking kind of longer term, how much more capacity do we need in the system? Uh, it's and our roads, it's are, a big... our roads have been like engineered to a very specific climate. You know, like if you live somewhere hotter, the roads are going to be made up of different materials to withstand hotter temperatures. And if your temperature is rising, like the way the roads are built is going to, at a certain point, stop working for us. And we're going to need to change how we build them. And a pothole, like, yeah, getting someone to come along with some Asheville and to tamp down a pothole to cover it up is not going to solve the problem at all. It's such a good metaphor for the National Party's approach to climate change overall, right? Yeah. No, no, no. We don't need to re- rethink or rebuild our infrastructure. We don't need to invest anything. We're just going to patch the holes and patch the holes. It's going to be... Oh, it already is a disaster. I, like, when it, like we see, um, so we've got we've got uh, you know climate crisis um, and changing uh, weather events um, and temperatures, etc., that are causing damage to the roads uh, more frequently. We've got uh, continual underfunding and all our infrastructure budgets that mean that I think we are in a deficit of repair um, for the last decade, at least, uh, for our roading network and and for the entire transport network. We have these heavy freight 
systems where the amount of weight allowed on the roads was increased with no requisite increase in levies or charges to help maintain roads um, or you know rebuild roads to a standard under which they could handle those weights you know that mo most potholes are caused by heavy freight but like and and then exacerbated by the weather um, events these are all like factors that are just being completely overlooked um, and, and not just by national but by everyone and yeah they just want to move money around uh, from other places that it's needed instead of actually grappling with any of this and it it goes beyond kind of my complaints around technocracy of just trying to tinker with things this is actively destructive like this is this is not viable as a model like we see a some kind of truck related incident at least once a week um just in Auckland you know uh it's gonna get worse and this is what I mean about the media should have just laughed the shit out of the room really early on like it's just not serious it's no political party should be able to have this as a core plank. This is the thing. This is a core plank of what they're taking to the campaign. It's just like Simeon Brown standing there at a fucking whiteboard um, going hee 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 about some fucking potholes. It's it's ludicrous. It shouldn't be. Why why is this considered to, to be part of the conversation? I saw the whiteboard video on TikTok and I nearly threw my phone across the room. It is so, like quite apart from all of their bad policies and the interests they represent. The fact that the National Party subject us to Simeon Brown trying to do a comedy routine is a breach of human rights um, obligations. It's, yeah. It's not even like, I, I wouldn't even say it falls under like this kind of boomer memes, um, social media hate click stuff. Like, I saw it because they're forcing it into everyone's feeds at the moment, you know? Um, and I didn't watch the whole thing because I was like, what is this shit? This is, if this is the level at which our politicians are allowed to operate by the gallery um, and by our political media, just go and do something else with your fucking lives and let the rest of us get on with it. Because I'd, I'd actually like some serious conversations when we're in such a serious situation. Anyway, do we think that this is how the campaign's going to continue? I think if there's no, like consequences probably like if the media aren't going to be like this is ridiculous and if they're not going to get yeah like i think if they don't have to do better i don't know why they would do better no the the two major parties it, they're they're both trying to run a small target campaign simultaneously there's very little incentive for them well maybe there's some incentive for them to do better maybe they'll wake up to the fact that they're at between them at historically low levels of support maybe they won't but they they're also constrained because neither of them are campaigning on tax increases and you can't you know they've they've boxed themselves in labor especially we've been saying once again we're ahead of the curve on this shit listen to one or yep. 200 if you want to be informed and right they're boxed in <laughs> so it's got to be either stuff that's just moving money around or stuff that doesn't cost anything. So yeah, I could see it continuing. What I'd hope is that as the minor parties get more coverage and are able to focus more on their campaigns rather than the business of being in parliament, that, I mean, obviously, ideally from 
the Greens and the Party Māori, but maybe from the shrieking, screaming Roger Gnomes in the act. Well, no, sorry, they're not Roger Gnomes. They're not Roger Gnomes anymore. No, no. No, no, Roger has pulled his support. Yeah. Um, But from even from that angle, just to be like, this doesn't make sense in terms of, you know, economic, financial literacy, we'll get something out of them. Probably not. But um, there's that. I think it's also, and I I wanted to mention this in the, the, the polling round, but like politics isn't a spectator sport. And we cover it like it is um, because polling is an easy frame to work through um, and it's important. But it's if parties start seeing changes in support because of their actions, because people are no longer volunteering for them, people are no longer donating for them, people are no longer showing up, it changes their incentives. So I think that's the the other the other message is that like if we want Labour to stop being shit, we've got to punish them on their left flank as well as their right flank. I mean, they've lost 20% yeah. since 2020. Like, you'd think the writing yeah. was on the wall for them at this point, but apparently it is not. Well, and it's, they're going for, and you know, to win the election, they need to win over 1.5% of voters from National. That's, but they're not, if they're trying to do it by doing this tough on crime stuff, doing this you know, road-friendly transport stuff. National are always going to be better at tax cuts. Yeah. National are always going to be better at that than you. Um, it was a really easy way the... to do this, though, like, in my opinion. Like, as soon as the Greens released their tax stuff, mm. all Labour needed to do was water it down uh-huh. and uh, do, like, a first 15K or whatever, like in Australia, um, and beat, beat National out on that. Leave the door open to to negotiation. It's like, well, obviously yeah. that's the Green Party's policy, not Labor policy. But you know, we'll we'll be launching our own tax plan later. You didn't have to do the what, what you did the now ritualistic um, uh-huh. statement from a Labor a new Labor leader of rule. But you said he wouldn't do it. Yes, yeah. and they're already being attacked by National for essentially doing this. Well. Like National is saying, they're just wrong this out, but they're going to have to do it in coalition. So it's essentially a lie. Like you've already been, yeah. Like you're already being criticised for the fact that you may or may not do it in future when you've rolled it out. It has made zero difference. Yeah, like we we roll it out. No, you haven't. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> well done. Good work, everybody. And so they're both boxed in on not being able to offer any new, yeah. Yeah. you know, promises. Um, but also not getting the benefit of being seen as kind of not wanting to increase taxes. Well, Meanwhile, the, the green, the Greens get to go out and say we're offering a, a bigger working class tax cut than the party of the working class or the party of tax cuts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think this on themselves. You know, Labor's I Labor's calculus shit. We're just trying to find these single issues that get them one or two percent each. Just go big and like get stuff that targets everyone. You're you're a mass movement party you know you're you're a big tent party you're not gonna win on fucking slithers just start announcing policy that gives everybody something and then once you have enough of those you'll get that two percent or whatever that you'd have got with a harsh on crime policy in the first place because they want that other thing you know it's this isn't like people have more things that they're interested in you know it's like I only vote on crime policy. You know, that person doesn't fucking exist. It's so frustrating. They do, but they're not, they are not the one person. And like, I, no, it's the CEO of Circo. That's the only person. It's, who... the CEO of Cer- it's the CEO of Circo or someone who is tossing up whether to vote for ACT or for Freedoms New Zealand, right? Like the, the people, 
which is not to say that people in some communities that have been the um you know it's not millionaire mansions in Ramuera that are the targets of ram raids um but it's not to say there isn't that feeling of insecurity among some people there but it's not the only thing in people's politics and you're not yeah you're not going to win on it do something yeah. else if, you, if, you're, grant, come if on. you're a centrist party do stuff in the center like don't do stuff at the edges like this is very simple shit um, and look you've seen how it's I, I'm not going to get into this except to because it's too much um, and we should wrap this up. But we've just seen in the UK um, and, and it looks like Hepkins is trying to follow that kind of right-leaning Labour model that Starmer has been kind of fucking up. They've just lost a, a by-election over there, Labour has, um, because they missed the ball on a bunch of these narrow policies and and didn't offer something more more concrete like it's not going to work like we're seeing it not work no and i i obviously the uk we can get into that another day i just love how both the tories losing the by-election they lost and labor not winning the by-election they didn't win it's both it's both because they're too far to the left it's because of you know um i forget what it was with oh it was too much too much green shit from the tories and it's like funny how that works yeah it's and again it's just it's this this communications apparatus of the whole bunch of it is trying to set this frame and it really feels like some of our media bosses are just like god i wish that was me it's so yeah i i like not going after specific reporters or journalists i know that you have a, a hard job everyone um and you do good work despite it but when it's consistently has this quite like radical right leaning, whenever anything happens, it's like, oh, they tried to like do things that would actually help people too much. It essentially is what it comes down to. You have to ask like, who is making these editorial decisions? Like what is pushing the entire, almost the entirety of mainstream and established New Zealand media to report on things in this way instead of a way that fully interrogates and looks at the outcomes for the New Zealand public uh, of politics being covered in this way um, and the policies of the parties that are seeking power because it's going to be an unmitigated disaster if it continues in this way. It just is. Like, it's going to be, you know, as you alluded to, Rusty, a whole bunch of little fortresses of little gated communities um, holding out the proles uh, under, you know, at sweat dream of everyone being armed um, and cops running rampant around the streets, stamping out, stamping out the, uh, all the poverty crime, or, or things are just going to get washed away because no one wants to take climate seriously. Like, it's very frustrating. Anyway, vote left wing. Mm. Not a spectator sport. Donate yeah. to the Green Party. Volunteer. Donate yeah, volunteer. Donate. Get out there. Um, suck it, right wingers. We are... <laughs> One and a half percent increase in the left vote away from the most progressive coalition in yeah. living memory. And this is the other thing. I just like Labour, the Greens, the Party Māori, top, they need to be getting stuff out there and activating that that percentage of people who don't vote. Who like we really need to get those people on board. That's that's where the selection is won. Once again. And that's a big percentage. That's way more than your two percent that you may or may not yeah, be able to see. Fifteen percent. Yeah. yeah, and those Labor... people, those people want to be engaged. Like I, I can guarantee that to you. They, they want something to vote for. They want someone who represents them. 
Like Labor got record turnout in 2020, and it was a big chunk of what got them as high as they got. Yeah. And if yeah. Yeah, yep. we'll see. Hey, thank you so much for joining <clears throat> me, Finlay and no Rusty. Thanks, Tim. That's been another episode of One of Two Hundred. Share it around, please, Lord. Talk to talk to everyone that you know. Try and have meaningful conversations about uh, what it means to vote. One thing which I think we should do better from the left is I we shouldn't say I don't care who you vote for, just vote. I do care who you vote for. Vote for policies that actually meet the needs um, of, of our country um, heading into this election. That's everything that's not right wing, really. Like, even a vote for Labour is um, not as bad. Uh, but uh, vote left, vote left, everybody. Um, share this, donate. Uh, keep an eye out for what we've got uh, maybe coming next week. Uh, but other than that, we will catch you next weekend for some more current events. If offices are the norm, live in a pointless life, but learning all your lessons from your politics. There's no distinction, the words are now. It's paid with good intentions. And I'll admit that I'm at a loss for what to say when they cross this as a cross the autism. I live amongst the people every day And it's vindictive, forgetful